Welcome back to the Time for Heroes podcast. Right, this week on the podcast, I've got Ryan Breslin of The Case, probably one of the most hard-working bands going at the moment. These guys never seem to take a break, but we're going to get back to the start. <laughs> um, early life growing up, what was life like for you, Ryan, growing up? Where did you grow up? Um, I grew up on a council estate with two brothers and two sisters in a little three-bedroom house um, with my mum and dad. So it was like fucking strange raising our house. It was bunk bed after bunk bed. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it was um, it was good, just council estate life. So at school life, met Jamie and Dexter in school, um, fucked about the usual stuff as everyone does growing up on a council estate. And then, um, yeah, picked up the guitar when I was 16. Obviously, I've had Dean Fairhurst on the, the podcast as well. Um, so... He was telling me that oh, yeah. you ended up in a band with him, Sly Diggs. Yeah, um, yeah. How did that come about? So my brother was the bass player in Sly Diggs, and um, they needed, they, when they got the Hutor, they needed um, someone on bass first because Ben couldn't go to America. A couple of the band members couldn't go to America because of issues with the police. <laughs> but then... Um, <laughs> We uh so but anyway that got sorted out and they then needed a keyboard player so I went and bought a keyboard and learnt it like the week before the tour and then just, just ended up going on and playing with Dean and Ben and Louis and Pete the four members of Sly Diggs and yeah it was fucking well good and that's so I mean you just fucking chucked that in there just uh, when I went and done the Hutu as if it's as if it's an everyday hang I mean what age were you then were you sixteen then. Uh, no, no. So I was I was about twenty when that happened, right. um, and I'd never played the keyboard before that. But it's sort of one of them opportunities that it's you just got to fucking do it. If someone tells you learn how to ride an horse, you fucking do it, don't you? And get on it and um, and go. So that sort of changed not changed everything for us, but it certainly opened your eyes into to how the music industry works and and seeing all those places that you probably never got afford to go and see. You support it. Um, you play. You play gigs with Liam Gallagher as well in the Killers, whilst in Slide Digs as well. So I mean, at, at a young age, man, that's like a, a right good start for you. <laughs> I know. I was fucking very fortunate to have to have thought them doors open for me. Um, and it's and it's because of the lads in Slide Digs. Yeah, that happened. And... So right, have you got any mental Liam Gallagher stories? Um, we went, we played with him in Milan and uh, somewhere else, and then we played with him in Athens in the, with the case. But Milan was good because the killers were on after him, and his son Gene was there, and we sort of all had a good piss up with them backstage and uh, right. got a little bit out of hand. But yeah, that was good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, his two boys seem like fucking brilliant lads as well, man. Yeah, funny as fuck. Like, yeah, dead, dead chilled. All that Gene man, he's just dead fucking laid back. Uh, he was cool, and then um, we just sort of had a good drink backstage. And Richard Ashcroft was there, and um, and the Killers. Yeah, it was fucking well. Right. Well, that's brilliant as well meeting meeting a uh, mad Richard. <laughs> yeah, he's fucking class, man. He bet he he's one of my dream guests as well to get in the podcast, but he's hard to get a hoodie. Is it? <laughs> we just played with him in. The, well, he headlined tramlines on Friday when we was there. Uh, right. We we stayed. Watched him. He was fucking well good. I had Damon on the 
Damon Mancello in the podcast a couple of episodes ago as well, so I've been trying to get him to sort it Oh, out. did you, yeah? Yeah. That's no, mm-hmm. one. Aye. So, how did the, the, the band come about then? How did the case come about? So, Dexter and Jamie was, there's not actually an original member of the case, so we're waiting for a lawsuit to come through the door, but um, they it sort of happened in school, I think they was about 14, 15, and they were fucking about in, in a band, and I was fucking about in another band, and then the case, everyone joined the case and then left the case, the original band, the case, and then they sort of stopped doing it for a bit, and I met Jamie, we'd been on separate nights out, me and Jamie, and we met in an after party somewhere in a house in Newton. And um, we just got chatting and it was just like fucking daft o'clock in the morning. It was like, yeah, go on, let's fucking start. Let's start the band again and let's let's just start fucking some, making some music and jokingly saying it. And then we just went in and fucking writ Sarajevo and then we was like, fucking hell, this is all right, this. So we just sort of stuck at it. That was about five, five, six years ago. Like. Right. But, I mean, that's obviously I mentioned I had Dean on and I think we were together. Dean, Dean's kind of meeting with your brother was pretty much the same sort of thing. Met, met him at a party and... <laughs> was it? Yeah. Yeah. Says a lot about us, doesn't it? <laughs> so obviously, like, Sarajevo was your first release. Um, yeah. What was the plan then with that? Because obviously, like, going right through your career, you've just, like, drip-fed singles here and there, so... What was the, yeah. the plan starting that? What was the what? Sorry, what was the question? What, what was the plan starting out? Where did you see it going at the start? Oh, right, I see. So, well, we didn't. We didn't have any sort of fucking plans or any visions. We just sort of, we did Sarajevo and we thought, and it and it got a lot of playlisting and like, it was just fucking on radios and it, you'd walk into bars and it was on and it was like, fucking hell, we can, we can make a bit of a career on this. And then we just always sort of drip for sing, singles because we didn't really have a steer on what to do and the industry and things like that, like people helping us out because it was sort of self-managed for a while. And then um, we just drip-fed them out. But now we're in a position where we've got people behind us, backing us, and and a bit of a strategy. Like you, you come up with like a release plan each year and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we've got the right people behind us uh, for, for release plans and stuff now. Cool, cool. Obviously, looking at your releases on on Spotify, and like I've been through your Spotify and through Instagram, so the Instagram seems to start twenty nineteen. So between Sarajevo, which was at least twenty seventeen, what, what was going on in the two years? Was it just gigging and um... just gigging, mate? Yeah, and we just, as I said, that was pretty much the, um, when the K's were born. I know it was sort of going before any of us joined, but um, when we released that song. We started just gigging like the local scenes in Manchester, like we did Jimmy's in Manchester, which was like you'd fucking go around with paper copies of tickets, like hundred tickets you'd have, and you'd fucking go around. You try and flog them in the pub, and you try and flog them to your mates. Right. And then like we did the next, we we thought fucking hell sold that out, so we did like uh, Gorilla, um, Death Institute, all the, like just stepping up each each sort of each gig, like doubling the tickets, and they kept selling out. So it was like, fucking hell, we can start selling tickets. And then yeah. I think because you're going out and you're gigging so much, that's the only way to get recognition off people. And and if you can have, if you can sell tickets and you can have people following you, then fucking anyone, a booking agent or a promoter or anything like that, is, that's what exactly what they want to hear. Mm-hmm. And how, 
how um, competitive do you think the the scene was but like then when you were starting it? Because obviously there's there's tons of bands in about that area. So I spoke to Roller and I've I met have the Rosella zone as well. So I mean they're off of your kind of general area. Yeah. You get cool. Yeah, we played there, yeah. You get lots lots of bands in about there. So how how is it getting gigs and is it a lot of competition or are you all kind of looking out for each other? Uh, I think there is there is an element of that when you sort of when you meet bands like, for example, when this feeling had a big part of it because I don't know if you know this feeling, but Mikey, this feeling sort of loved us and mm-hmm. they they promote a lot of young bands uh, coming up that can't get gigs on their own. And uh, they just kept putting us on the places and then they got us on at like Isle of Wight Festival, for example, and they got a tent there. Um, and I think once you get into a category of like 10 or 15 bands in mm-hmm. on on their sort of bill, then you just work your way up. And that's all we did. We just kept working the way up, uh, just doing our own thing, getting on with everyone and uh, keeping our head down. And and we're just fucking, yeah, it's where, where we are now. So, yeah, yeah, there is competition, but I mean... I think you can if you if you got if you're determined enough you can go out and fucking get gigs. Mm-hmm. I, I was going to touch on this feeling because we have kind of spoke about them quite a bit here the last few episodes about what they're doing, the, all the good work they're doing. So, how does that work initially? Did you contact them or did they contact you or did they kind of notice how well you're doing and say we'll put you on a gig? Yeah, I think I think it's a bit of that, and I think if you get on like. Uh, like a festival lineup, like even if you're at the bottom of the bill, you're you're on the cards with them, and, and they're always looking for new bands. They're always like Mikey and George at this feeling. They're always like on Twitter and they're always searching, asking people like, do you know any new bands by the and promoting them. So I think I don't I can't remember how it came about, but we just ended up doing a gig with them, and then we just fucking hit it off with them really well, mm-hmm. and they sort of seen the following uh, grow with us and the tickets that we were selling and. We're still sort of it. We still, uh, we're still doing bits with this feeling, Mike. We, we talk to Mikey regularly. Uh, he's got some good, good stuff going on at the minute. So, but I think they're very supportive in that way. Yeah, I mean, the, the amount of bands that they that they are backing at the moment, it's like you could just fall into that feeling bands and you'd be fine for new music. You yeah, know? <laughs> that's it. And they're doing it like they've got the Isle of Wight and they've got, I think it's Truck Fest, they've got now a tent there as well. Mm-hmm. And um, when we did the Isle of Wight, we've done it like three times now. Every time we've ended up, even if we're not playing on the uh, for this feeling stage, like when we played the main stage, we're just fucking straight to this feeling stage, just having a drink with them and watching all the new bands. Yeah. It's just a nice scene. Yeah, and it's brilliant to see that as well because it, it shows you that the... There, there is music out there. I mean, there was there was a period yeah, of yeah. years where people thought music was on its arse, but it's fucking far from that, man. There's, there's music out there if yeah. you find it. Um, it's got to look in the right place. Yeah. So, obviously, 2019 then, um, you have three releases, Aurora, Glass Towns, and Got a Feeling. Um, so... Three singles were in this like about four months of that, so that must have kind of when you you seen things moving at pace then, and you you can see a vision of where yeah, I think, yeah, we just started to pull a bit of a release plan and thought like every three months or every four months we release a single like I don't know you go on tour in November and October you release one you go on tour in March you release one and then you do the festivals and you release one for the festivals. 
we started sort of piecing together. I think it goes hand in hand with uh, the gigs. Like when you start getting gigs and being booked, you can start planning. All right, I want a song here, or I want a song there, mm-hmm. being released. So, yeah, you can see that. Like, look, looking at your tours, you, you always seem to bring it. You've always got a song, yeah, before a tour or whatever. Twenty twenty, you, you sold it Liverpool Arts Club. You played that, and then just after that, we had lockdown. Covid, yeah, we yeah. all got COVID on the last gig. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, the last couple of episodes, I had a band last week, and I've had Andrew Cushion on, and pretty much oh, yeah. the same thing. Um, lockdown seemed to come at the right time. I mean, it gives you a, like a prolonged time to kind of sit and concentrate on your music. What, what do you think? Do you think that? Um, I don't know. It, it fucked everything up. <laughs> you think it fucked everything up, but now looking back, it's like, I don't know, you think everything happens for a reason. Like, with the, we were just about to, we, we was in talks with, like, labels and stuff before COVID, and then it all sort of went quiet. So everyone was a bit, a bit bitter about that. But I think in the long run, it's probably done. Not COVID was fucking horrible, like, um, and the lockdown it fucked everything up on the live scene. Um, but we've just come back stronger, and we stuck at it. And as you said, we sort of we re- we made music. We released the song in lockdown. Um, we managed to like record it at home, fucking eat individually. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, and I think like immediately after COVID, uh, after lockdown, there was still a bit of uncertainty like around gigs and tickets and stuff. So it was always difficult to sell, but. We've just fucking come back stronger, I think, after it. Mm-hmm. The isolation songs, like obviously you you brought out Valley One, um, you had the yeah. and the choral doing stuff. Um, up here there was a boy, uh, a band, Mark Sharp and the Bicycle Thieves. They brought brought out an album of covers as well during lockdown. So I I kind of liked all the kind of isolation songs because it yeah these two musicians sitting in the house kind of putting something together on Zoom. We did like a Friday night with live with the K's every week as well during lockdown, which was just fucking an excuse for us all to just get pissed every Friday and sit on Zoom and talk to everyone <laughs> on Facebook. Obviously, after another release that year, and then 2021, you announced a tour in the summer. Then at June, you announced a tour, and you played up and down the country, all over the place. And that yeah. was kind of, for that, looking through your Instagram for there, I don't think you've had a break for then on. Like all the gigs were they kind of gigs that were rescheduled shows for for lockdown and stuff. Yeah, it was a lot of reason. Yeah, so we rescheduled a few, um, and then we added a few on as well. But yeah, because because the March the March tour sort of halted uh, mid tour, we we just postponed them. Um, but it was so fucking good to get out and just see everyone again and and sort of play to a live audience as opposed to sitting at home on your screen. Yeah, I mean, along with that, along with that tour, you played neighbourhoods, you played Isley White, you supported DMAs, uh, and you supported James a couple of times. To yeah. my point, you, you supported him quite a few times now for that. So is that just kind of yeah? So the DMAs, the DMAs thing. Yeah, um, this feeling got us played a big part in the DMAs um, support gig, support gigs, and the James show. Uh, Music agent, solo music agency. They, um, John Giddens and Charlie, they're uh, solo. They look after James as well. So right. they just sort of put together, and James, we just got on with him like an house on fire, and then it went from there. 
Yeah, I mean, there are some massive gigs. You've played um, here in Spain with them as well, haven't you? Barcelona and Madrid. It's, I mean, yeah, it's fucking hell, it's a long time, that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You played up in Scotland as well on that tour. How was that playing in Scotland? Where was that King Tuts the first time? King Tuts, yeah, and then we did uh, St. Luke's a couple of times. Just fucking Scottish crowds are probably one of the best crowds. They're just mad for it. They absolutely love it. And we we love going up there. We're doing well, we're gonna announce uh, some some more dates up there soon. Um but it's we we always love going to Scotland, it's fucking brilliant. Make, make sure it's a weekend. I think I missed your last one. I think you paid up after <laughs> night or something at St. Luke's and it's fucking murder for me to get a night off. Um, <laughs> right, I'll put a word in for you. But I got got a weekend up in Scotland, man. They're the best, man. Absolute best. St. Oh, Lux is, is really good as well. If you've played that twice, what, what did you prefer, King Tuts or St. Lux? Um, I think they're both, they're both sort of completely different venues. Aren't they? King Tuts is obviously it's the famous venue in Scotland, but mm-hmm. St. Luke's was brilliant because it's got like the big. Organ behind the stage, and it's got like the balcony. Um, it, it we I love that venue, St. Luke's. We did it, we did it the first time, we didn't have the balcony open, and the second time we opened the balcony, mm-hmm. uh, and it sold out. So, I don't know where the ven, I don't know what which venue we're looking at for next time, but uh, it's going to be a step up from that. Yeah, St. Luke's is really good. I mean, it, it's just it's pretty new on the scene compared to the rest of the venues. It's only, yeah, I've only been going to gigs here maybe five, six years, but. I, I love it, man. I think it's a brilliant setting. The following year, you started off the year, you played um, independent venues week. I think a few gigs were cancelled and then we played. you played a gig in Blackpool um, and there's a wee story yeah. behind that which kind of taps into that hard-working band. The gig was, <laughs> the gig was on the rocks because a, a pipe burst. And most folk would just yeah. So we put <laughs> we pulled up, and the United Utilities had dug up like or whatever it is. Uh, they dug up the fucking road outside. So there's all cones out, and um, we was like, we uh, went before we got there. They rang us and said, "Oh, we had a leak last night. Uh, we've had the emergency repairs done." We was like, "Is it fucking safe to play? Like the electrics all right, etc." And they assured us it was all right. So we went up and. Um, yeah, the support band was on stage and the the pi- a pipe burst right above the drummer's head and just fucking soaked him. Uh, but we was in the pub, we was in the pub over the road, and we was like, uh, we sort of went outside for a fag, and he was like, "Why is all the fucking crowd out? What the fuck's going on?" And one of our techs rang us and said, "Like, you best get over. Like, this fucking stage is fucked." So we went over, and then uh, yeah, there's fucking water everywhere. So the crowd was on the front, like, "What the fuck do we do now?" So. There was a pub over the road, the Washington. They said, right, fuck it. Everyone in the Washington took our guitars and like a little amp each and just fucking played the set in there. There was like some bloke having a fucking gammon and egg and then we all rocked it. It's fucking brilliant. I, that, that's class as well. You, you've seen that a lot the other years as well. Like Pete Doherty used to date as well. See how many times he get chucked out of venues and he gets out in the car park and things like that there. That, that's the things that the fans remember as well. Fucking well good. Obviously, you announced another tour that year and you brought it hometown as well, which I think that, that's when I first noticed you really was hometown. That's the kind of song right. in the 90s and it's 
it still stands up, you know what I mean? It's like that 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 to me is the sound of the cave. Yeah. So, I mean that that song seemed the to song... kick start. That song seemed to kick start the yeah. kind of sound and it was a, a brilliant song to release for a tour. So did you notice then a change like a, a like a groundswell and fans for that song onwards? This fucking the last year and this year when we've been playing it. Like particularly on the last tour that we've just done, it's it's the it's the song in the set that fucking goes off. It's like mosh pits, fucking flares. It's it's the one that sort of it's the fan favorite at the minute. So we've we've seen the change sort of in the last couple of years on that song. It's fucking it's top. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How does the writing start? Who who does the writing? What's what's the kind of process with that? And what's so what's what's the difference between writing a song like Hometown and writing? Say Valley One, I'm hoping maybe. What's the, what's the um, It's a bit of a mix. Hometown. Well, I had the riff. I was just playing the riff, fucking the intro riff over and over, and I sort of showed Jamie, and then he he put the verse and chorus to it. So it, we just both sort of came in hand in hand. Uh, Valley One was it's somewhat similar. I was just messing about on the piano where with the melodies, sent it to Jamie, and he sort of put his spin on it. He mm-hmm. sort of wrote it. On that, on that end. So I think it goes, it, Jamie brings a song in or I have an idea and then you show it to the lads and then it all just sort of comes together in the room. After last tour, again, just out in the road constantly, me, you played Brighton, Great Escape, yeah. Isle, Isle of White again, July, Athens with LG, uh, Lollapalooza, Portugal with James, Kendall Collin, August, Bangley Weekend, Redden and Leeds Victorious Festival, September, Mayor James supports Madrid and Barcelona, October, he played Manchester Albert Hall, Neighbourhood, and then finished in November and Shine On. What were your lovers like after that six months? You must have been... <laughs> what, what is that was some fucking wrong. Do you have a drink? Like yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. So, um, it, it just sort of keeps you going on, man, like the crowds and stuff. It was when we did all that in Europe, um, we did a lot of them on our own as well. Like we flew out and we had to, like you fly to fucking some mad country and stay at the airport for three hours and then jump on another. We did like fucking four countries in a day or something when we was doing that Sweden, um, and that Sweden run, but. Yeah, it just keeps you going, that thrill on stage. It was fucking ace. It's good to be busy, man. You know what I mean? A busy band's a good band. Yeah. Um, and that run that we did at Victorious, uh, Red in Leeds, and there was one of one others, uh, Camp Cohen, I think it was. That was just like four days fucking all main stage. And then Red in Leeds main stage is like a fucking dream for all of us in the band. So to get to play them, it was fucking well good. And obviously looking at your Instagram, when you come off tour, like especially yourself and Jamie, can't like when a couple of days have been off tour, he's a on Instagram saying that you're itching to get away and play a gig. Is it just <laughs> kind of you come on for it? You're like, oh, I can't wait, get on for a day, and then you just fucking get on. And after day one, you're like, fucking hell, I can't wait, get out gigging again. <laughs> it must be dumb buzz then, like, see, see, being up on stage. How, how do you describe being up on stage and playing your music? It's the fucking best job in the world, man. It's just, just seeing the crowd and 
I don't know, when, when you hear someone singing a song back to you, or like fucking, I don't know, going jumping down and fucking getting in the crowd with them. Like me and Jamie jumped down in Aurora and stuff and just mm-hmm. being surrounded by people who are fucking there for all the same reason, just to have a fucking good time. It's, I don't know, man, it's just the fucking best drug ever. Well, good. The last time I seen somebody jump into the crowd um, was Kyle Faulkner. Kyle Faulkner done it at the Barrowlands, jumped into the crowd and ended up breaking somebody's nose. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> yeah, but I have, I've noticed that. I've seen a couple of videos of yourself and Jamie jump in, man. It, fucking, it, it does look some some buzz, your, your crowds at you. Yeah. Um, how was Shine On, actually? My, my mate, he DJs, didn't it, Shine On? So I've kind of got... It's one of the events that I've not been to yet. It's a well good festival. We did the Libertines, it's the one the Libertines had land, didn't it? Um, um, it was fucking well good. And like Pete and Carl from the Libertines like watched our set. Pete fucking mentioned us on stage when they played. So right. it was a well good weekend. That's brilliant, man. See, once you get people like that's batting. I mean, obviously, Car- Carl, no. Carl's, Carl's quite. He's commented on this feeling and what this feeling I've done. So he's obviously really supportive of these new bands coming up. But to have him kind of give you a shout, it must be another wee... Not yeah, it was fucking... Uh, 2023 then, this year. I mean, we're, we're only halfway through the year and it's just it just looks the same as the last half of last year, really. At least uh, hope maybe in January. On the TV in February, playing, playing at the rugby... Is oh, that, yeah, at home. Yeah. Is that a wee thing for you bands up there? Because Dean's played a couple of times at the rugby as well, I think. Yeah, I think, like, they always, they've always sort of had a couple of bands on, I think. Like, Warrington used to do it a couple of years ago, but Hull KR got in touch with us, and I think we was playing Hull around the same date, so we sort of tied in well. But, yeah, that was aired on Channel 4. Uh, and I know I've seen Dean doing a couple of things on the rugby. Um but yeah, it's just a fucking, it's a good excuse to play to thousands of people your music in it. And it's sort of, do you know what I mean? Like, our, uh, we got a video sent to us last night, like someone at Wigan Football Stadium and at Old Trafford as well were on the playlist in at half time. So, right. however many thousand people at half time listening, if you get a fucking 10% of them, Shazam it and see your song, it's fucking good, isn't it? <laughs> Are you a fan of the rugby yourself? Uh, I don't I don't follow it as much as, my dad's a Wire fan, Warrington Wire fan, but... Um, I'm more of a football fan. Yeah, uh, of course, rugby. Yeah, I, I'm no, I'm not a big fan of the rugby. I watched it there at the weekend, Sunday. I think there, there was something on. Yeah, um, I don't fuck. I don't know what's going on with it. But I sat, that <laughs> watched the whole game. I was in cross, but I didn't have a fucking clue. How <laughs> um, the team won, I didn't know what the fucking point. <laughs> it's completely different for the other rugby as well, and it? it's all different rules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, I was amused, but I enjoyed it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and then another tour, and you released another single as well, Chancer. Yeah. Uh, you done that. You played the Royal Albert Hall. Was that Teenage Cancer? Teenage Cancer, yeah. That was a fucking unbelievable gig. The gigs are always amazing as well. Who was doing yeah. me for that? And the... There's so many people sort of knocking about as well on the day, like uh, backstage, like ambassadors of Teenage Cancer and, and other sort of artists, and just everyone's just there for for the right reasons, and uh, it's a nice vibe. It's sort of 
it's like a positive vibe on the night and it's fucking well good there. The crowd was good. Kasabian yeah, lined the day room. Yeah, it was well good. And to get to play a venue like that is just fucking dreams are made, do you know what I mean? Soccer AM as well. You played Soccer AM. Is it twice you've done Soccer AM? Yeah, we did yeah, we did it twice. Um, yeah. we just, just done it this year, yeah. Yeah. Because if you play if you go another if you got another gig like that, you would have got the, the hat trick ball as well, wouldn't you? So that's you fucked for that because it's it's a way winning, isn't it? Yeah, it's fucked. <laughs> it's really? gone. Yeah, sorry. Um yeah, soccer AM, yeah, it stopped and it's a shame, but uh, I don't know, I don't know the ins and outs of it, like, but um it was fucking we used to love that, me and my brother watching that as a kid, so uh, it was sad to see that. Yeah, well, that's the like, see the, the amount of bands that they brought on as well. Yeah, there was good. That's another thing that uh, this feeling sort of promoted with us. Uh, like Mikey asked, Mikey pushed for us to get on um, soccer and this time round. So, right. so I think he's he's mates with Fenners and that. So I think they all it's it's good to see supporting sort of new bands coming through and even even on soccer and like Sky Sports Channel. Yeah, I'm kind of led to believe. I think Fenners has a lot to David. He takes a lot of. He has a lot of the same what bands come on. So yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah. Fenners. So he he, um, he sort of promotes it as well. And if, if Fenners likes your music and he, he's a, he's a good ambassador for it, so uh, we we got on with Fenners as well uh, the first time round, and and he was buzzing to have us back on. So that was good to sort of get the get the nod from him as well. As well as that, this year you supported Blondie. Oh, yeah, well, man. That's is. I mean, it's a. He's a young boy, man. You supported the Who, you supported James as if fucking you supported the Who and James as if they're just that's just an everyday thing. And then you couldn't get a fucking blondie support as well. Yeah, well, Jamie Harry, she was fucking class. She, she apparently the band um Blondie picked the support, so they put a load forward and they they handpicked us and said, like, we want the K's on. So that was good to get that recognition. And then when we was playing um, like during our set, we looked at the side and she was stood at the side of the stage. The band was stood at the side of the stage, sort of watching us and bopping away, and then had a bit of a chat with us after it. Did she give you any advice? Uh, she was just fucking boogieing on, like, and then we got a photo and just said, like, keep going. And it was the Glasgow weekend, weren't it? So we just had a bit of a chat about that, and um, yeah, mm. she was fucking well good, she was sound, and then. That's as I was kind of getting to up to now. You played right to Rome, right to Rome in Bolton. Yeah. And the reason I knew you were playing that because I had, I had uh, Roy Fletcher for Shed Project done. Oh, yeah. Tell me that was coming up. So, you were, was that, did you headline that festival? Yeah, we headlined the Friday. Um, it was good. It was a good, it was a good day. Uh, it was a good turn. That was, was loads of K shirts knocking about and, there was a lot of new, like other new bands on and through the day, so we watched. We went in and watched as many as we could. And is that is that like a new kind of festival? How long is that? Uh, I think it's been going about three years, I believe, three or four years, or at least the main stage. The, I think the main stage used to be in uh, where the dressing rooms were. I can't remember the name of the building, but they opened the main stage on the square now outside the town hall, which was it was good. Right. Uh, so you've done that, and then you supported cast as well. Yeah, um, yeah, we played with Cast before, but that uh, that Liverpool show was um, it was good. It was a bit of a mad place because it was like a car park in in Bootle, like with all 
sort of houses around. So it was it was a bit of a mad vibe, but it was fucking well good. The crowd. See, coming from Warrington. Yeah. What, what would you class as your city? See, what, like your home city is it Manchester or Liverpool? Uh, yeah, we're bang in the middle, but we've always sort of done Manchester because that's where we first gig. Like we did Jimmy's and we worked up the Manchester scene. But now we're sort of splitting the both of them. Like we're doing, we just we announced Academy One, which sold out, and then but so we're looking at you do like one city, one tour, and the other city, the other tour. But the Liverpool, when we did Academy on the last tour, just gone. That got upgraded to Academy One and it sold out on the same day, the, the extra ticket. So the Liverpool scene's growing just as much now. What's coming up next then? Uh, so we've got a tour. Well, we've, we've got the Academy show, obviously. We've got, we're going to finish festival seasons, uh, festival season, and then we've got uh, some dates coming up later in the year. Playing out in Dunfermline, actually, aren't you? You're playing in Scotland, some at PJ Malloy's. Yeah, we've got some little a little run of intimate shows. So we're in the middle of that at the minute. We did like Milton Keynes, uh, Stockton. We've got like three or four of them left, I think. And then we've got about, I don't know, five or six festivals. And then we we hit a run of dates later in the year to coincide with some new music coming out. Mm-hmm. And then you get Manchester Academy, the 24th of November. Yeah. We'll do it. Is that going to be like your big thing? For yeah, me? going to get flamethrower with guitars and everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, we were sort of um, like the last Manchester date, date that we did was Albert Hall in Manchester, and when we released it, it was just after lockdown, so ticket sales didn't go out as fast as we thought because I think there's a lot of uncertainty. And this time we announced it, so we was like, "Is it going to sell straight away?" Uh, and within the hour, fifty five percent of it went. And then by the end of Close of Play, it was sold out. So it was like, fuck. Yeah. I mean, that's like, as you say, for using that as your hometown, it must be like a sense of pride to think you sell that in that like that. Yeah. I don't think any band's done it with, well, I don't know of any band without an album and stuff out. So it's fucking unreal. Last band I went, I think I went watching Fatelli's there. That was the last time I went in there. It's a big room. Like, mm-hmm. um, Oh, yeah, can't wait for that one. You did touch on that about albums. What's happening? Do you can we expect an album anytime soon? Yeah, yeah. So it's in the works at the minute. Um and it's coming out. It's gonna be it's gonna be out soon. Can't really give any dates on that. Yeah, I don't like you getting yourself in trouble for <laughs> but I as long as as long as people know that it's coming, that that's enough, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's coming, man. It's gonna be fucking number one. And then oh. that's when the, these gigs will really step up. Obviously, yeah. I heard you on another podcast and you're talking about Scottish gigs. Obviously, we touched on King Tuts and St. Luke's, and I'm pretty sure some point in that interview you said that you wanted to play Celtic Park. Yeah, yeah. Celtic Park will do. So I would <laughs> get that sorted. You should get yourself up for a game. They'll, they'll, they'll get you on the pitch and you can do the halftime drawing or that and play a song. Yeah, that'll do. That'll do us. So, obviously, the podcast called Time for Heroes. Yeah. Um, at the end of the, the episode, I asked my guests to pick four heroes to come for dinner. Why they're your heroes? Um, and what would you cook for them? I know you struggled with this because you text me. <laughs> um, but you've got nothing to worry about. 
Uh, who would I have? I'd have Eric Cantona, um, Keith Richards, Prince, and let's throw one of the Spice Girls in there to fucking make it a bit of a laugh. They're, they're brilliant as well. <laughs> Eric Cantona and Keith Richards together would be... That's what I mean, man. Who wouldn't want to see that? And uh, Prince as well. Prince, Prince and Keith Richards together as well, just bouncing off each other with the guitar, man. Yeah. Which Spice Girl did you say, Jerry Halliday? Um Let's go Mel C. We're playing with Mel C in later in the year, so let's go for the... Right. <laughs> That's actually touching on that Mel C, because obviously when you supported James, um, another guy that was on that lineup was Brian Adams as well, with the Mel C connection. So there's another legend just to chuck in. Fucking well. Brian Adams, what a guy, yeah. He's, he was unfucking believable What are you cutting these... What are you cooking your guests as well? Uh, let's go Spagball. Spagball, that's classic. See, yeah. see the people that you get these people that pick fancy meals and all that, but see like the kind of classics. <laughs> Sunday dinner, spag spagball, things that's like that. Wrong with the spagball, can you? Um I absolute class. Before we go, just can you let people know where they can get a hold of you if they want to get in touch? Yeah, so Instagram, Twitter, the K is official. Um, we're on TikTok now, so we're pushing TikTok as well and Facebook. And we've got a website, the K's are on fire.com. Right. And that's is they can get all your links to your yeah. guests there as well. And merch. Yeah, yeah. So if you go on our Instagram, for example, there's a link there to our website and it's got all the upcoming tours merch and sort of what's going on what's the latest uh, announcements from us the first whenever we announce something that's the first place it goes on so mm-hmm. i'll just keep in touch with that brilliant brian it's a pleasure having you on the day thank you very much yeah, thanks for taking the time and i hope you have a a busy end to 2023 as well and sure it's gonna be the album no problem nice one mate i hope you all enjoyed this episode of time for heroes podcast if you would like to get in touch, the best way is on the Facebook page, Time for Heroes Podcast, or on Instagram at Time for Heroes Podcast, or Twitter at Time for Heroes P1, or drop me an email at Time for Heroes Pod at gmail.com. You'll find Time for Heroes on all podcast platforms, including Spotify, Apple, Google and Amazon. Please leave a review where you can, share with others and more importantly, enjoy. Enjoy.